19th of September, and as the sun is rising, we celebrate the fact that the Son of God has risen. It is always good news, and that tomb is empty, and we know we serve the living King of a living kingdom, Jesus Christ, and His kingdom knows no end. This is Faith Radio Mornings, where we start our day together having honest conversations about the news and top-of-the-mind relevant topics through the lens of genuine faith and real hope. And I am your host for the show, Dr. Peter Kapsner, joined in studio by Logan Rausch, running the sound and board, and Paul Perot in the newsroom, who keeps the top-of-the-mind items in front of us all morning. And, of course, we love hearing from you in the program, and our next guest, Bill English, does as well. And so we would really enjoy your call or your text at any point this morning at 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four, and we do have a great second hour of the program ahead. I reference Bill English. He is sitting across from me right now, and Bill is the longest running guest on Faith Radio Mornings. He comes uh, and joins us for the segment BibleInBusiness.com. And Bill, I was worried you're a business person, and so you see opportunities ahead. You know, maybe before the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm wondering, you've been here a long time. Are you thinking about actually doing a hostile takeover of the morning show? I mean, I you know I don't know that I can trust you, Bill, completely. Actually, I wasn't going to take it over. I was just going to trade. You were just going to trade. So what's the trade? What, what's the offer in front of me this morning, Bill? Well, I have 10 acres of beachfront property <laughs> in Iowa that I will trade for their morning show. <laughs> so I, I guess maybe my geography is a little lacking, but I don't know of a lot of beachfront property in Iowa. Is there something I'm missing here? Uh, no, but it's it's similar to the beachfront property in Nevada, if it you've is. ever been to Nevada. It is, yeah. I own quite a bit of property. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'd love your take. There are some news items that I, that I thought were interesting this morning, and one was some good news out of Minnesota's corporate leadership, and obviously you mm-hmm. being involved in the business world. And the headline was that Minnesota's corporate leaders joined the fight against opioids, and that has been a growing epidemic. We see it in the news all oh. the time. And, and I, I'm curious your take on the importance of private enterprise, like business people, coming together to to deal with concerns from a public standpoint. I mean, this is obviously affecting so many of us, and uh, businesses oftentimes are uniquely positioned to help in ways that government cannot. Again, most of your time during the 168 hours in a week that you have available to you is either spent sleeping or at work, Hmm. right? Yeah. So when businesses get involved in public health issues or in public uh, uh, community-oriented issues like this, uh, it's only good. And so, uh, to my way of thinking, uh, when when businesses start to say, "Hey, let's let's work with the uh, political authorities, let's work with the community, let's work with the nonprofits, let's have a holistic, full-on, you know, full-court press on on taking care of some of these problems," I I, I think it can be a very good thing. Yeah, there really is nothing like private enterprise and its capacity to generate wealth, and that really can be then useful to give back in 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 a public. Yeah, way. and and it's not so much about generating wealth as it is it's. Everybody in in your life, if if you're experiencing opioid, everybody in your life, work, community, church, home, everybody is is giving you the same message. You got to get off these things. Let us help you get healthy. If if you're in a in an addiction and only one part of your life or two parts of your life is giving you that message, a lot easier to stay in that addiction. Yeah. But if every place you go, you're hearing that message, it's tougher to. Um, 
not pay attention to. Yeah, it is a great opportunity to move away from the isolationism that often comprises this situation with the opioids. So well said. We'll take a short break, Bill. When we come back, we'll, I would love to be joined by you as, as the listeners at 877-933-2484. And Bill and I are going to talk about just the importance and how difficult it can be at times to really grow a business and what Christian business owners are experiencing as they're trying to do that. So more to come on Faith Radio Mornings. Of course, Huey Lewis and the news and the power of love signals the arrival of Bill English. You've already heard his voice talking about some of the news items of the day. He's from BibleandBusiness.com. And Bill, I know you've been hearing a lot from listeners over these past couple of months as they're contacting you even outside of the show and really appreciate these opportunities for these conversations. Oh, you're very welcome. And out at Bible and Business, we actually have six surveys that I've been running, I think, since 2016. Every once in a while, a business owner will go out and take a few of them and been compiling these stats over the last couple years and uh, I thought we today would be a good day for us to just talk about some of the results of those surveys. Yeah, the surveys are fascinating that you sent me, Bill. And again, we would love for you to join us at 877-933-2484. It's a great time to talk with Bill live or you can text in your questions. Anything related to business to, to get this kind of expertise for these 20, 25 minutes is incredibly helpful. And Bill, I know, tell us about the survey in general. And then there was really a, a, a singular question that was so significant in terms of growing business. So talk us through the survey and then that answers to that question. Well, there's actually six different surveys out there, right? And they have different purposes. And so uh, if, if you just go to Bible and Business and you uh, go over to take our surveys, you'll find that I have a very short survey on, fa- on family business. I have another one on what's the most difficult part of growing your business. That's actually just a one-question survey. And then I have a few about uh, the integration of faith and business, which has has yielded some very interesting results. And these are faith radio listeners. These are people who visit Bible and business. Uh, and this, uh, this has been a called, C-U-L-L-E-D. It, it, it's been gathered over time. And uh, I find these some of the results are to be quite fascinating. Yeah, the question that you specifically asked, which is, what is the most difficult part of growing your business? And the top answer to that question was finding new customers. So talk yeah. us through that. Yeah, finding new customers, because you're always going to have attrition out the back door of current customers, either going to competitors or just leaving the market entirely or whatever. So how do we find new customers? And even if you can retain most of the customers that you have, if you're going to grow, you still got to find new customers customers. How do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially because it's really tempting to sort of rest on the current success and believe that a customer now is going to be a customer for a lifetime and you don't recognize that churn that's going to happen quarter in and quarter out. And so if you rest on your laurels for even a second in business, it means you're behind the curve. It does. And, and if you don't have a customer life cycle that you pay attention to, how customers come into your business, how they leave your business, and uh, and where they're at in their business life cycle and when they might mature out of your business in terms of being a customer, all of that's very important. Yeah, and the second highest ranked response to what is the most difficult part of growing your business was business owners saying that it, we're having a hard time hiring the right talent. Well, and I, I hear and this it's all tight, the time. It's a tight market, so what's happening out there right now? Well, a lot of people are getting hired that shouldn't be hired. Not a lot. Some people are getting hired that shouldn't be hired in and the temptation here for a business owner is just to put a warm body in that seat. At least they can get something done. At least they can get something going, you know. And what we find is that uh, putting the wrong person in the right seat is worse 
than actually not hiring anybody at all. It's better just to leave that seat unfilled than to put the wrong person in there. Even So, you know, let's say that you need a really strong controller. You can't find one, right? Right. So you go and you hire somebody out of college with an accounting degree. Well, at least they know, you know, debits, credits. They have an idea as to how chart of accounts work and that kind of thing, right? That may not, you may actually be better off just not even having a controller and outsourcing it and paying the extra premium on outsourcing it than insourcing it to the wrong person. I'd be curious, a follow up question on that. And again, you can join the conversation at 877-933-2484. A great opportunity to just talk about maybe your own business and some of the challenges you're facing with Bill English. And Bill, be curious. I know there's different philosophies whether you really should develop the talent from within and hire from within. And, and I, I think a lot of businesses believe that they have what it takes to develop their own people towards these positions. What do you think about hiring people or developing them from within as opposed to bringing somebody from the outside, which also has its own risks? It does. Uh, my One of my undeniable truths is you hire character and you train skill. Hmm. Okay, uh, so you want to make sure you hire a person of, of great character, and we could talk about that in a different segment, I suppose. And then uh, you train their skill, but they have to have a baseline of knowledge and education and skills that maybe you can develop into something else. So a lot of growing businesses, maybe they're three, four, five years old, maybe they've got 10, 15, 20 employees, they need something more than a bookkeeper, right? Yeah. So they need... They need something between a bookkeeper and a really strong controller. So what do you do? You, you find somebody who's basically a staff accountant or early in accounting, but they're willing they're willing to learn, and you hire them, and then you get them the training they need and grow them into what you need. Yeah, I see another thing that showed up on this graph and some of the responses was that it's troubling to try to keep up with technology. So speak to the importance of that. I know sometimes when I'm doing business and, and dealing with other businesses, we're still talking about file cabinets at times, or we're talking oh, about you really? handwritten inventory kind of notices. And so, oh, I know. But it also requires yeah. capital investment so often to invest in some of these automated programs. So how does a business balance keeping up with technology and the investment required without putting themselves under trying to be relevant. It's really a tricky, tricky thing because if you use all the free services that are on the Internet, you're going to have a very disjointed kind of a patchwork bubblegum uh, technology infrastructure. Uh, systems aren't going to talk to each other. And yet at the same time, to go with a really great system, you're going to need to spend a lot of money up front and then amortize that cost and realize that cost over time. Uh, this is a real, this is a real problem doing the technology piece. I'll also say one other thing: connecting that back to finding new customers. Technology is more and more between you and your customers, and so you have to be technically relevant in order to reach a broader swath of new customers. So there's one more piece too that showed up on this uh, on this chart, and and that was the idea that uh, there's funding needed to be able to grow your yeah. business. Oh and boy, it, that's tricky. You have to be able to tell a pretty compelling story to investors or to a bank and even have a bit of a track record if you're going to secure that funding. I think that's one of the biggest barriers, isn't it, for growth, is having the capital moving forward to grow the business. Yeah, we have – I have actually, actually have a presentation that talks about the 14 different funding sources for businesses based on their life cycle. Early on, you're looking at angels. Uh, during the growth stage, you're probably looking at banks, but you're probably also looking at equity investments. Now, when I, when I say equity, what I mean is you're selling part of the ownership of the business in exchange for money – but you are taking on now a partner or a stockholder or an investor, however you want to put it. That's where a lot of small businesses really stall. These these entrepreneurs that think they have the greatest thing since sliced bread and they won't take on equity money that would help get them to the next level. 
And you know what? They never get to the next level, and they end up failing and dying because they wouldn't release some of the ownership. There's there's a real pride issue here. They see themselves in the future as already at you know 100 million in sales when they're only at 500,000 now, but they're not going to give up that 100 million in their mind for ownership. And our our response is always, well, if you don't give up the ownership, you're never going to get to a million, let alone a hundred million. Yeah. So you know you need to get realistic about this. Well, I saw a proposal recently from somebody who wanted to do, to do business with my company, and they suggested in their projections that in, in the next nine years they would achieve fifty-seven million dollars in sales. And I just wonder about sometimes where these numbers come from. Bill, we'd love to talk more. If you're a business owner and would like to join the show, you could call us at eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. That's eight seven seven ninety three faith. You can text your questions in for Bill as well. We'll have more to come on what it means to be a Christian business owner that is oriented towards growth. It is 20 minutes before or after the top of the hour here on Faith Radio Mornings. And I'm uh, Bill English is in studio. You know from the laughter in my voice just the fun that we have in these conversations. And certainly enjoy when you join the show at 877-933-2484. We did get a text from a listener, Bill, that uh, wrote in. And you're going to have to help yeah. me decipher this one. But it's a really good question. It's just I don't understand all the terms around it. But he writes, I started an LLC with the intention to purchase rental properties, which is a really popular thing to do these days. And and the listener is saying, is it possible to get SBA loans for purchasing rental property? I'm assuming this is a question about how you can secure capital to be able to purchase some rental properties. Yeah, so LLC, Limited Liability Company, okay? Yeah. Uh, SBA, Small Business Administration. So the Small Business Administration has uh, a number of programs. Uh, most of them are like 7A or 504 programs that... Uh, will guarantee 80% of the loan. So the government actually comes in and assumes 80% of the risk of the loan, and the bank has to do the other 20%. Now, the banks are actually the uh, granting institutions, if you will, uh, for SBA loans, but SBA are very, very common for small businesses. And this listener, if they if they need a bank to talk to, I know of three that love small businesses and they love SBAs, and I can put them in touch, and I can talk with this listener offline about how those, you know, who those are, and I can I can help them push that ball down the field a little bit. But a lot of businesses, a lot of small businesses, five million and under, have SBA loans. Well, I'd be curious your take too, as businesses are trying to get started or have opportunities in front of them like this. What is the best advice for securing funding? You don't want to obviously go over your skis in terms of how much you're getting and maybe the interest rates involved with that. So what do you suggest in terms of conservative ways to secure funding but also enable you to take the risks in front of you? I think if, you, if you're cash flowing well and you have the ability to pay back a loan and you don't want to give up ownership, uh, a, a bank or a loan or an asset-based lender or maybe a fa- – you don't want to go to factoring or purchase order financing but uh, because those are more turnaround types of finances. But asset-based lenders and banks are, are good places to be. Now, an asset-based lender says, I'm going to look at your assets, and based on the value of, that you have and the equity you have in those assets, I'm going to loan against that. And so <clears throat> they're, usually their underwriting requirements are much lower than, than a bank's underwriting requirements. Uh, and ABL lenders, we know a number of them at Platinum here in the Twin Cities. Uh, if you need to shore up the skills of your company at the leadership level and uh, you, you don't have the cash flow to pay a loan back, then you're probably going to have to look at what we call equity. 
getting somebody to invest in your business, and they're going to want part of the ownership for doing that. And uh, you just have you either have to give up the ownership or you give up on your idea. Well, that's part of what we see in that very popular program, Shark Tank, on CNBC, where these entrepreneurs come in with ideas, but they don't have funding, and they're being forced to choose if they're going to give up a certain degree of equity in their business to one of these four sharks that have a proven track record. But can you talk about the dance of getting involved with another entity or organization that now is going to have some kind of controlling interest where you don't just get to carve out the pathway forward? Yeah, uh, talk about the dance. The dance is all about uh, what are you willing to give up and who are you willing to work with? Now, Platinum, where I do my consulting, every Tuesday we do a kinder, gentler shark tank where we let a, a, an entrepreneur come in and pitch their idea. We usually have one to three investors in the room, and <clears throat> they pitch their ideas, and then the investors go and back and think about it. It's not quite like a shark tank, but we do something like that. We look at new businesses every week at platinum uh the thing is is that what what we're really looking for because most of these new business owners don't have cash flow they don't they have a great idea maybe in their minds <clears throat> what we're looking for is somebody uh, who's realistic about how all of this stuff works yeah and if you're coming in saying uh i need 1.8 million and i and i'm pre-revenue but i'm only going to give you 10 percent if you'll give me a million dollars that's not realistic, and so we, we tend to just walk away from those kind of people. And I think small business owners that have opportunities in front of them have to be willing to have their bubbles deflated just ever so slightly in terms of their expectations and what they see moving forward. That doesn't mean it's a bad idea. It just means that when the rubber meets the road and the excitement of the opportunity meets the financial reality, we have to be willing to kind of compromise and give to see the pathway forward. The real value is in the marriage of the idea with the money. The idea by itself has no value. I don't care how great your idea is. If you can't get it to market and monetize it, it's a worthless idea. Well, and from the survey, we see that most of the people that answered in the survey at BibleandBusiness.com had had under five years in business. And that often is a time when which businesses are really seeking to grow. Quite obviously, you have to actually grow into a business before you can maturely deal with revenue and financing and all of that. So what do you see as some of the most important strategic tips for these business owners that have five years or less and really do want to grow? We've talked about a lot of things this morning, so let's distill this down. It's really about the cash flow and the profitability to the investor. It's not going to be about how, how great the idea is. And it's also going to be about who you are as a person because the investor is probably investing in you more than the idea. And so who you are as a person, how you come across, how well put together your financials are, how well put together your business plan is, how well put together you are as a, as a leader and a person will directly influence their willingness to invest in you. It's not just about the idea. If you, I had a guy one time <clears throat> that, that tried to work with us. And he was a developer, and the name of his company was Anarchy Software. And I, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You're pitching me an idea, and, and in your mind, you think Anarchy is a great business name? And that killed it right there. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's, it's really about the whole package. Entrepreneurs don't see that. They see what could be in the future. They look at their idea, and they think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Entrepreneurs never have ugly babies. They never do. And the investors come in a lot of times, and they say, no, that baby's pretty ugly. You know, and the entrepreneurs don't like that. And so if you can't hear the truth, if you can't work with 
within kind of the system, so to speak, you're not going to be successful. We have just about a minute left here. I'd be curious when you have your pseudo Shark Tank moments at, <laughs> at, at Platinum. Pseudo Shark Tank. What do you look for in terms of the quality? How do you ferret out somebody's character and, and know that it's somebody that this is, we'd like to move forward with them? It has to be tricky at times. I don't know if it's all that tricky, really. I, we, we, just, we just sit in the room and we listen to their presentation. Is it well put together? What's the pedigree of this person? Have they done it before? If they haven't done it before, do they have the industry experience to pull this off? Do they have leadership capability we're just looking for somebody who who is together and you can easily tell their character and how well they are based on their personality based on their presentation how they come across you you can pick that up in 15 30 minutes it's not hard well your advice is always so important here at bibleandbusiness.com and faith radio mornings bill we appreciate you joining us where you can bet. listeners find you again whether it's your website or how they can get in touch <clears throat> well, with you bibleandbusiness.com they can just email me bill at bibleandbusiness.com that's can great email stuff me. yeah thanks yeah. for joining us again this morning you bill we'll take a break for breakpoint and bottom of the hour news